Welcome to US Rail Journeys, Series 1, Episode 13, where we escape the suburbs of Denver, travel into Wyoming, and on to Rawlins on the California Zephyr. Finally, although our speed hasn't increased at all, we appear to actually have escaped the city. First of all, we've passed through what looks to me on my side of the train to be a very large plant nursery growing plants of quite a size. And now we seem to be back with the maize fields straight in front of me. On the other side of the train, it's a bit more bleak, but I think agricultural again, as far as the eye can see. They've just made an announcement that although we're going from stop to start, stop, start, stop, start, and not travelling at any speed, because of course we have to give way to freight traffic, it is still anticipated that we will be arriving in Salt Lake City at the time that our original schedule says we should have been there. I shall be very interested to see whether we actually achieve that or not. Just opposite where we're stopped, there's a team of people working in one of the fields, hand-picking crops out of the field. A little bit too far to see what they're picking, but as you'll see from the photograph, it's about a dozen people hard at work. It's 10.15 in the morning. The lounge car is certainly filling up. The sit-down breakfasts have finished, so I think quite a few people have come out of breakfast and taken a seat in here for the day. The cafeteria down below is doing busy trade with people coming out of the coach cars in particular and going downstairs to get themselves some breakfast. I'm talking to Darrow Bennett, who's the lounge car attendant. Darrow, it's lovely to speak to you. Where do you come from? I come from Chicago, Illinois, by way of New Orleans, Louisiana. You were born in New Orleans? I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now you live in Chicago, which is a major hub for the Amtrak trains. That's correct. That is correct. Do you always do the California Zephyr, or do you do other trains as well? I do the California Zephyr. I have done the Empire Builder. They go from um, Chicago. We split off in Spokane, and half go to Seattle. The other half go to Portland, Oregon. So I have the pleasure of working that train as well. So which train do you prefer? I like the California Zephyr. Uh, the scenery is dynamite. Going through the Colorado Rockies is some of the best scenery you ever see from any train in the United States. And you're regularly seeing scenery that many people in the United States will never see in their life. How do you feel about that? Hey, it's exciting. I tell a lot of people, all my friends, family, church members, you got to take this trip. If you only do from Denver to Sacramento, it's worth it. So how long have you actually been with Amtrak? 13 years. And what did you do before you joined Amtrak? I was a call center representative for AT&T. Um, I also worked at Sam's Club. And I had numbers, n numerous of jobs in the hospital. I've been working since I was 16 years old. You don't look more than 16 now. <laughs> hey, I'm a lot older than 16, though. <laughs> Do you find Amtrak is a good job to have? Oh, yeah. Amtrak is a wonderful job to have. I mean, especially if you like people and you like to travel, this is the job. 
How do you feel about the fact that most people in the United States have never been by train, or if they have, it's only a local commuter service? Well, um, I think we need to have more advertisement. Um, this is a nice uh, way to travel. Um, advertisement for the, the young people. Um, uh, people don't know what Amtrak has to offer. Um, and it's a tragedy, but you know, hopefully we'll get uh, more marketing uh, down the road, more money for marketing, because you meet new people, you meet friends, you get to enjoy your scenery as you're dining, uh, just having a beer, uh, playing a game of cards. It's a, it's a nice way to travel. It's a rolling city. I think it's wonderful that you sat down for a meal and the wind, what is the other side of the window is changing every second. That's right. It's the ambiance of the dining car as you enjoy your meal, you sit down and your scenery continues to change. It's, you can't get that from no restaurant, no airplane, only by train you can experience this. And you're promising me we're not on a simulator with somebody pulling a picture down the side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not made up like in the, in the movies. It's, it's the real deal. When do you get to Emeryville? How long will you have before you're coming back? We spend the night in Emeryville. We leave the next morning. Um, 9, uh, 9.05 or 9.10 is our departure. A.M. is our departure time out of Emeryville. So the crew, the, the Chicago onboard service crew spends the night. And do you have any particular happy memories of things that have happened whilst you've been on these trains? Oh, it's a lot of memories. Oh, my God. Just some of the people in this. It's a joy to see your passengers again the next year or the year after, and you recognize them and they recognize you. That's an awesome feeling. And then to have the kids come and the grandkids you know, it's an awesome feeling. Well, thank you very, very much. That's been very kind of you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so, roughly two hours after leaving Denver Union Station, we've got to Brighton. I asked where the beach was and somebody showed me some puddles with some gravel around them, so I'm assuming that we must be in a seaside resort. This should be a 20-minute maximum journey by road, so to take two hours, of which most of it has been stop and the rest of it has been crawl, is quite an achievement. We've got moving again. And we're now passing a vast site full of the parts for wind turbine generators. At the moment we're passing blade upon blade upon blade lined up and just before that we saw other parts of the towers that they build. Quite incredible. But I am told that there is quite a lot of wind turbine energy generated out here. As somebody's just said, we're on the discounted wildlife tour. No large animals, but we have just passed a number of prairie dogs. This train, as I said earlier, is following a diversion because of track work on the normal route. It's very interesting to see that as we're going along, there appear to be vehicles that have just moved off the track doing track work on this route as well. Anyway, we're moving somewhere around about 25 miles an hour making progress away from Denver. 
The countryside around us has changed significantly and now we're into what looks like arable farming fields with quite a lot of green in the fields. Not sure if that's winter crops that have already been sown or crops that haven't yet been harvested. The sun is shining, a few clouds in the sky, but it is, at the current time, a beautiful day. making progress still at about 25 miles an hour but we haven't stopped for at least 10 minutes somebody's laughing at me we're approaching Fort Lupton a lot of the agriculture taking place alongside the rail tracks is vegetables and uh, we just passed some very large fields of onions plus other crops such as squashes and some things that we couldn't quite work out what they were and so here we are another hour another stop and another field the sun is still shining and the train is still stationary though probably four or five miles from where we were last stationary and just to heat the happiness on to everybody there's a road by our side with cars speeding along it we're just passing through a town called Greeley I have to say that this route doesn't have the beauty and splendour of the normal route. We seem to pass through industrial area after industrial area, with then a few fields, then a stop, then another industrial area, followed by another industrial area, and then maybe a few fields and another stop, and so it's been going on for the last three or so hours. I suppose this is looking at the United States as it probably really is for so many people. We're getting close to the state line now, moving along at about 40 miles an hour. The scene outside has changed completely. No longer arable agricultural land by the look of it. We've just passed some buffalo. As we're going along we're passing various fences where one side of the fence there might be buffalo, the other side of the fence are normal cattle. I have to say I wouldn't like to get caught in this countryside in bleak snowy weather. It is very bleak out here. For many miles we've been running parallel to I-85 but now we've crossed over a bit and the nearest road to us which is on our left is I-25. We are very very close now to the Colorado-Wyoming state line. So we've just about crossed the state line between Colorado and Wyoming. Denver is apparently about 90 miles away. It's taken us about four hours to do that 90 miles. This is certainly an express train. The train is slowly climbing as we go along and we're now about a thousand feet above the height that we were in in Denver. The countryside is getting hillier and it is just large stretches of grassland for as far as the eye can see, with the occasional farm. Since we turned left just before we reached Cheyenne and changed from going north to west, we've passed through varying types of country. 
We've had farming land where people have cattle. We've passed through very high snowy land and rocky land. And now we've come out again into what I would imagine is cattle farming land. But we're actually seeing civilization in as much as there are houses approximately 100 to 200 yards apart. But still, people are living here. I think we'll soon be coming into Laramie. We've just passed through Laramie. That's the first major place that we've passed through since leaving Denver. The city was first settled in the mid-19th century when the Union Pacific crossed the Laramie River. When it was originally settled, it was a tented city and the tracks reached Laramie on the 4th of May, 1868, with the first proper passenger services starting a week later. Soon the city had moved on and people were building more permanent structures. In 2011, Money Magazine named the city as one of the best places to retire to in the whole of the US because of its scenic location, low taxes and good education. The height above sea level is roughly 7,165 feet. I won't describe Laramie to you because I've described many places that look like, and it, yes, certainly had, one lovely big scrapyard full of old cars. We're now out into the countryside again, sprinkling of snow on the ground. In front of me I can see the hills. So we've passed Laramie and I've been sat for a large part of today with a couple who've uh, been sharing some jokes and humour about the countryside we've either been sat in, the scrapyards we've been looking at, and also the countryside we're now passing through. So, sorry, you haven't given me your name. I'm Lillian. And you're with? I'm with my husband Arthur, or Artie actually, everybody calls him Artie. And do you often travel by train? Never. This is my first time. And what made you take the train? I hate to fly, number one. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to go to see the Grand Canyon. That was the main reason. And do something different. I wanted to experience sleeping on a train, meeting some people. And apart from the fact that we have got a different route today than the one that had been planned, are you still enjoying it? Uh, yes. This is only day, day two? Day two, yes. Day two. So, yes, it's okay. Yeah, I'm disappointed on the route, but no, it's okay. Stuff happens. We are actually, I believe, taking the route of the original transcontinental air, uh, transcontinental airline, transcontinental railway. So this is a historic route. It is? I didn't know that. The scrapyards? Those were historic. That's a historic. <laughs> I think they were put there by the builders of the railway in the first place. Okay, I'll believe you. And where is home? Home is in Manchester, Vermont. Um, Manchester Village, actually. It's a little village in the southern part of Vermont. How long have you lived there? Uh, 20 years and before that we lived in New Jersey now New Jersey prides itself on being if I remember the Garden State so why did you move to Vermont 
Uh, let's see. We lived in New Jersey for many years. In fact, my husband was born there. I was not. And we had a second home in Vermont. We used to go skiing all the time and then spend our summers up there. We always loved it. And then one day, uh, my husband decided that he's going to move up there forever. He asked me to come with him, so I said, okay. <laughs> well, that to me is a good enough reason for moving to Vermont. <laughs> and you, and, and you love it up there. It's very different. I don't know. I'm not a city girl. I'm not a country girl. And the village of Manchester is just, just enough for me. Yes. So you don't think you could move out here? No. No. This is, this is country. This is like really country. Like there's no neighbors. And no. So if you need a pint of milk or some sugar, how many days do you think you have to travel? <laughs> Three. What do you think? Three. No, but you're probably half an hour to an hour from your neighbour. Yeah, you probably are, yeah. Well, <clears throat> so in, in Manchester, it, it's a, it is a small village, but we are, and we live on a you know, beautiful house. We built a house on two acres, so our next-door neighbours got a house on two acres and two acres, so we're spread apart but not really close to each other. And really the local um, grocery store is ten minutes away. Okay, if you drive, it's five minutes away. I work two and a half miles away from home. It sounds very nice. At home on your two acres, do you garden or do yes. you just mow it? Or We mow it. He mows it, I garden it. And Veg what do you grow? Vegetables. Uh, everything? You want to know everything? Uh, string beans, lettuce, zucchini... Uh, I did well with Brussels sprouts this year, so we might have some Brussels sprouts. They're still in the ground. They like to stay in the ground for a while. Carrots, oh, my carrots are really good. Cucumbers. Would you say you're self-sufficient on vegetables? Or? No, no. Uh, it's enough for the two of us when, with a little bit, I give to neighbors or my kids. It's not a very large garden, so it's... It's enough. It keeps us, yeah. For the summer, we have fresh vegetables and fresh lettuce almost every day. That sounds like paradise to me. Well, thank you very much for talking to You're me. You're very welcome. As we continue onwards past numerous ranches with cattle, we pass Medicine Bow, the setting for Owen Wister's classic 1902 Western novel, The Virginian. Right in the centre of the very small community of Medicine Bow is the Virginian Hotel. We'll next be going through Sinclair before we get to Rawlins. We're still passing through an area where there really is very little out there in the countryside and I don't even think they do much farming up here. But we've just passed some amazing rock formations where the erosion almost looks like people have put battlements on top of the rock faces. It is quite incredible to look at. But as I say, there's very little here, very little signs of civilization, apart from the power lines that keep running along the side of the railway track. So after many hours of travelling through absolutely desolate countryside 
we now are still in the middle of nowhere except somebody stuck an oil refinery here and the oil refinery takes diesel by pipeline down to Rawlins where a lot of locomotives get refueled. Apparently Rawlins is just around the corner from here though based on here I don't know how far just around the corner is. <laughs> I've been informed that just around the corner is where your next door neighbour would be about 13 miles away. train has stopped for a few minutes in Rawlins where they're refueling the locomotives. Apparently the fueling rig here is so vast that they can actually fuel four different trains at exactly the same time. And of course that's using the diesel that comes down by pipeline from the oil refinery that we passed a short while ago. Rawlins is a city of some 9,250 people according to the 2010 census. And the only place of note in the town, apart from the refuelling rig at the station, appears to be the Wyoming State Penitentiary. The city is the chief town in Carbon County, named because of the coal deposits found in the area. This podcast has been made by the Mr T Podcast Studio. Thank you very much for listening.